So we just heard that scripture passage from John about that doubting Thomas, about Jesus appearing to his, disi- his disciples. Mary Magdalene had just ran and told the disciples just a little bit before this scene about going to the tomb and finding it empty. And how do those early followers of Jesus respond, these folks who were going to be leaders of that first century church? They were huddled together in a locked room, afraid to venture out and afraid to let anyone in. Not quite the reaction you would expect after hearing this great resurrection news. Yet we often act like those uh, disciples in our own reaction to Easter. You know, we think, what a glorious day. The flowers and the hymns and the feeling of the risen Christ so close. But then Easter is over and another year goes and that personal kind of resurrection glow begins to wear out a little bit. But Jesus doesn't let those early disciples or us hide out that easily. In the midst of that fear and doubt those early disciples felt, Jesus appears and says to them simply, peace be with you. And he calls out the same to us. Jesus says, as God has sent me, I'm sending you. This peace is not a peace of quietude or of inactivity, but it is as if Jesus is saying, this peace as seen in these wounds that I show you will come in the intensity of the mission that lies ahead of you as you spread the love of God, which came through Christ to our world. A world where often darkness invades, as it did two years ago at the marathon, as it does often when we read about crises, you know, uh, abuses of our earth, all sorts of ways environmentally. And when we hear these things, we experience these things, all of a sudden, here comes those doubts. And we feel just like our friend Doubting Thomas. You know, I, when I hear this story, I, I, you can just tell he wants to believe what he's been told. You, you can tell he just can't bring himself to accept it with what he sees around him in that moment. I can relate to Thomas. Maybe you can relate to him as well. My wife, Sarah, tells me I'm a big doubter. She says, I don't believe any time she tells me something about what someone else told her. Now, that's not altogether true, but it's sometimes the case. All of us have that questioning, that doubting side to us. And what is true relative to faith is that doubt and questioning is a very natural reaction. In fact, it's part of what faith is all about, strangely enough. If you think about it, faith only has meaning in a world that's filled with uncertainty. If the world was certain and we had all the answers, what would we need faith for?
As Paul Tillich, one of the great theologians of the 20th century, wrote in his, in his famed work, Dynamics of Faith, the element of uncertainty in faith cannot be removed. It must be accepted. And Tillich himself wrestled with doubt, especially early on in his life as he experienced the suffering and tragedy of, of uh, World War I and then later in Germany as Hitler rose to power, where he saw the failings of Christianity, failings of humankind around him in response to suffering that he saw. Tillich points out in, in another book called Courage to Be that the doubt which is implied in faith accepts insecurity and takes it into itself as an act of courage. And courage for Tillich takes all this doubt of our lives, all the risk, all the anxiety into itself and overcomes those things without removing them. Faith for Tillich is the basis of courage in our life and courage is the manifestation of faith. So with Tillich and with Thomas, despite all of our doubts, we cry out, my Lord and my God. If you heard that response from Thomas in that scripture passage from the 20th chapter of John, my Lord and my God, and how powerful those words are in the journey of faith in a risen Christ. Now you might be saying, well, that's fine and easy for Thomas and those other disciples. They were there. They saw Jesus. They perhaps even touched the wounds of Jesus to gain strength in their faith, the, the, to understand the peace of God they needed to go on in Christian mission. What about us today? How do we touch the wounds of Christ? You know, as most of you know, I have been involved in a number of different mission trips over the last 25 or 30 years. The first one I took was to Haiti, and it's where I decided that Christian ministry was for me. Not the type of ministry where you wear a robe, you stand up here, but it's where I began to believe that Christian ministry, the type of ministry we're all a part of, was for me. It was on that trip where I first realized what it means to touch the wounds of Christ and believe. I saw people in conditions that are hard to imagine, people who were living in cardboard shacks with rivers of sewage and human waste passing by those shacks with piles of garbage everywhere infested with rats and disease with malnourished kids searching in that trash, trash for something to eat. And it was in though that surrounding, it was in that reality that I saw people for no reason other than the love of God in their heart trying to help people help themselves and their families. It was seeing people trying to bring hope into a hopeless world that began to change my mindset and my heart set. It was through committed, seeing committed Haitian Christians singing praises to their Lord despite the condition they were in that I began to see and believe more clearly in the 
wounds of Christ and in a risen Christ. Those Haitians I worked with had a sense of peace in their lives. They knew that all things were possible with God, even with all the impossibility that surrounded their lives. Not that they could make everything okay, but as Frederick Douglass said, as he fought for the rights of African Americans many, many years ago, in the struggle for justice, the only reward is the opportunity to be in the struggle. In the struggle for justice, the only reward is the opportunity to be in the struggle. And it's the same reward for those who are called to Christian mission. The reward is the ministry itself. The reward is being active and involved in giving of oneself for others. And this is just, it's not just obvious in faraway places. I look around the people in this community who are reaching out to others simply because they feel a love in their heart that they feel they have to share. And I see the wounds of Christ and I see Christ alive in our midst. I believe in a resurrected Christ when I see people visiting others who are alone or unwell. I see the risen Christ when we hand out sandwiches through the outdoor church as we did yesterday. I see the risen Christ in people who are working with children in our Sunday school and other places to let them know the love of God just because who they are, not because of what they've done. I see the risen Christ in churches which strive to live as that first Christian community did, as we heard in the book of Acts in that fourth, chap fourth chapter, churches who are filled with people sharing and caring for each other, with people who are giving as faithful stewards, empowering churches' ministry, people who give financially and give of their time and of their talent. That's happening in churches all over this country and all over this world. People who step up, even in their doubt, and give and change this world. Our church responds to injustice, economic and social, across this country and across this world in all sorts of ways. And this is what it means to be Christian. This is especially what it means to be United Methodist, because tied together, when we give, a portion of what we give goes to what we call mission shares. And those mission shares then are shared across this country and across the world to people in need. And in that, Christ lives. I see Christ alive through those who feel called to invite people into relationship to Christ by inviting them into the journey of faith. Inviting them to church here or anywhere. There are people in need that surround us every day, physical need, emotional need, spiritual need. And I promise you, if, as I said to the children, as they, when they give of themselves, if you have a doubt whether God is alive in this world, if you have a doubt whether there is a risen Christ, if you wonder about seeing the wounds of Christ for yourself firsthand, 
Reach out and Christ will come to you. Christ is standing today with us, hoping and praying that like Thomas did, we will see and believe that in our doubt and in our need, we might reach out to others in need. That we will give of ourselves, that we will reach out in service to Christ within this place and beyond. And I know we can't solve all the world's problems, but it's like the marathon, one step at a time, many of us taking steps at a time, makes a difference. And then, in more than anything else, we can solve our need to care for each other. That's the need that we need to search for. Not as much even worrying about the needs out there, about our need, in our doubt, when we're down, when we're uncertain. To reach out like Thomas did to the wounds of Christ in our world and believe. As Christ said to his earliest followers, he says to us, peace be with you. Go and show the world, the city, your neighborhood, everyone in your home, that you want to touch Christ's wounds, that Christ is risen, and you will experience the risen Christ yourself. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we're glad that you have brought us together on this morning, on this weekend, on this beautiful day. As we continue to bask in the glow of the power of Easter, allow us to feel it every day in our lives. Allow us to believe it for ourselves and to reach out. But in those times when we feel most down, in those times when we feel most challenged, it's at those times we need to give. And we need to serve. And in caring for others' needs, Lord, we will care for our own need. And our world will change. Our world will change. We'll see the world in a different way because we'll see the world alive with you and with your love. We pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.